Rams win? Will Kendrick be censored? And will Eminem bend the knee? Find out next time on Mars on Life. Same time, same channel. Uh, the answer to all three of those is yes. They all did those things. <laughs> uh, if you haven't heard, the Super Bowl has come and gone. So welcome listeners to Mars <sighs> on Life. Well, it's not going to be a complete part two of last week's show. I am, of course, Ryan Mancini. Joined with me. That side that side tells it. Uh, joined with me as always is. I would say disgruntled sports fan extraordinaire, but only one of those is correct. Um, yeah, unlike most people who wanted to only stick around for the commercials. Ugh. Oh man, uh, yeah. Did I see the game-winning touchdown? Of course I did. All of LA went wild, and I even heard that there were a few. Uh, <sighs> I don't want to say riots, but L.A. was pretty trashed from what I read Yeah. after the Super Bowl game. And it was just like, OK, well, it's Los Angeles. I've come to expect that level of uh, <clears throat> idiocy by now. I don't know. You heard me last episode. I'm not as someone who who played sports from age six to high school. Uh, mm. I'm not a purveyor or spectator or speculator, whatever, on anything sports related nowadays, you know? Yeah. Eat shit. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. I just, it's not my thing anymore. Well, on the, on the point of how people reacted following the end of the game, uh, I haven't listened to their full episode on it, but I did hear, Felix Biederman from Chapo uh, cracked the joke about how, oh, you know, people were people were out in the streets so hard that they were setting fire to uh, uh, frappuccinos. So, or excuse me, they were setting their lattes on fire. That was what he said. So uh, that's <laughs> I didn't expect that, but at the same time, when I saw it happen, I was kind of like, oh, okay. So yeah, this 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 would uh, this would. Um, I can't say I watched all of it just because I, like with most Super Bowls, just do not care. However, I watched it with more interest this time around simply because I think simply because of the fact that, and obviously not all of it, because I had other stuff I was doing that Sunday, but I was more intent on watching it just because there was that part of me that when I started to see that things weren't really going so well for the Rams... Mm-hmm. I really did think I needed to just stay glued because I could have been watching a disaster in the making. Well, yeah. Only I mean, I mean, a crashed, a crashed airplane is always interesting, but Ugh. you know, when it when it pulls itself back and and saves itself, it's like, oh, well, that's not news. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> or, or a burned up car on the highway. It's like, yeah. On one hand, I want to chastise everyone who who rubbernecks, but at the same time, I'm guilty of it. But it's like, it's like you won, L.A. Why are you setting fire to this already overfumigated, smog-infested city that you call home? Uh, on a related note, the new edition of Mike Davis's Ecology of Fear just came out yesterday. So Hell yeah, let's go pick drops. that up. But new, uh, new, yeah, new satiricism just dropped. <laughs> it, it, a lot of the the outpouring and reaction after the fact seemed pointless up until today, where you had a parade celebrating the team, and like I get it, and I understand with everything that's gone on in the last two years, like a little a little win here and there is great, but at the end of the day too, it, it's still just one giant deflection and distraction from all of the other stuff going on, which, you know, again, everything going on in Eastern Europe is slash Western Asia is still basically exactly where it was, excuse me, a week ago. And on top of that, too, the only other major differences that have transpired in the last, I guess you could say, 24 hours, at least between as of recording and the big game uh, L.A. County lifts outdoor mask mandate. So mm-hmm. uh, despite the state of California saying, you know, hey, no, no more, no more of this, no more of this uh, 
safety nonsense. So yeah, I mean, at our work where where we don't interact with more than ten people a day, and by ten people I mean you know the people who actually work at the building, mm-hmm. um, because you know we're behind. I want to say a good five inches of glass between us and the member. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like, okay, if someone were to have COVID, and you can't enter the building without a mask anyway, but if someone were to have COVID, I'm doubting it would reach us. It would have to be something internal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but we wanted to, uh, we were like, oh, okay, cool, mask mandate um, is being lifted. And then, nope, LA County still gets the axe. Um, even though uh, the mayor names escaping me, apparently he was at the Super Bowl or he was like at some public function and he wasn't wearing the mask or something. Yes, or other. Eric, Eric and, Garcetti and, and everyone's sort of being up in arms about it. And it's just like, OK, so if y'all, you know, if y'all want to LARP about overthrowing the government. You know, a start small, but b like. If you're this disgruntled, why hasn't it just happened yet? Because what are we on? Almost year two? Oh, we're we're about to start year three of this pandemic. Year three. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, so, technically, technically it started November, but in terms of like, right. like, like to the United Picking States, up. like next yeah. March begins the next the new year. Right. After what's been two long years. So what is it? Two years into two weeks into flattening the curve? I mean, we we know. I mean, shoot, what what are we what are we doing here? Like, I think people at this point they're not so much getting mad at the fact that COVID is a thing; they're more so getting mad at the fact that public officials are still making COVID a thing. Like, you go down to, was it San Diego? Mm-hmm. Or at this point, all of California, excluding LA County, they don't have mandates. Right. I just know that there was one city in particular that was. They really didn't care about mask mandates. Now, maybe it was Orange County. It was probably Orange County. Yeah. According to the LA Times story on the outdoor masking rules as of as of basically right after midnight uh, Wednesday, the county continues to require masks in indoor public spaces. Mask rules at these settings were lifted at 12.01 a.m. And then according to LA County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer, on Tuesday, uh, to the LA County Board of Supervisors, she said, with significant improvement in community transmission rates, we're looking forward to realigning our safety measures while continuing, as always, to ensure protections for our workers and our most vulnerable residents. Uh, and then in the story goes on to talk about how uh, LA Unified is going to keep its outdoor mask mandate in place through the rest of the week. And uh, just kind of quickly scrolling through, county health officials it said they would drop outdoor masking requirements once coronavirus positive hospitalizations dropped below 2,500 for seven consecutive days. The county dipped below that threshold last Wednesday, and the hospital census has continued to tumble since. Mm. So uh, we have had a, a <clears throat> significant decline, especially from uh, at least like early to mid-January, where cases were ridiculously high and pretty scary uh so much so that the huge difference at least from two weeks ago is that over the last week the county has reported an average of nearly 4,100 new cases per day down 81 percent from two weeks ago according to data compiled by the la times it's pretty so and on top of that you have the news about disneyland uh how they're going to lift indoor mask mandates for vaccinated visitors starting thursday uh yeah, um, I've been to Disneyland a couple of times, and honestly, not as packed as I thought it would be. So that definitely alleviated a lot of concerns. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like if if you were to put a gun to my head, I would say that I'm more afraid of like Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> than <laughs> Disneyland. <laughs> I don't know why I was just talking with one of my coworkers and she was like, oh, Chuck E. Cheese is disgusting. And I realized arcades, pizza joints, batting cages, anywhere where there's just like greasy joysticks, like bowling alleys. 
during the pandemic that is just somewhere you do not want to go yeah and i from what i've heard disneyland has been fairly conservative in how it handles folks going on rides and taking their masks off um yeah no you you still have to leave your mask on yep uh because i know uh, i believe my sister encountered encountered somebody like this or she had heard about it about this mom that brought her kids onto a ride and she took her mask off the the mother took her mask off and they stopped the whole ride and Mm. the speakers were basically like you know hey lady put your mask back on um (laughs) and it it just it turned into this like showdown that ultimately ended with her putting the mask back on and and on top of that you know I, i knew people before uh, the end of the end of 2021 who would go on about, you know, oh, it'll be great to kind of like sneak our masks off because they, they, they were toying with the idea of taking me along to Disneyland and going on about taking masks off. And I, I just kind of looked at them like, uh, 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 you know, I, I, yeah, I did turn into Jeff Goldblum. Uh, uh, take, uh, take masks off, you say. Uh, I, I, no, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> um, so it was. <laughs> It's very because whenever I go to Disneyland, I'm always like, what what is the one thing that I'm looking to avoid every single time I go there? Mm -hmm. And it's spending money. It's not Mm -hmm. that I'm bad at budgeting. I don't consider myself bad at budgeting. Um, And my God, after last week's discussion, when I basically just told the world that uh, a large majority of people in a pandemic ironically don't know how to manage their finances i think by default i'm pretty good okay mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll, I'll toot my horn till the cows come home but when you go to the park and you see people drop hundreds of dollars maybe thousands even mm-hmm. it just makes you wonder it's like man how do i not do that so how do i alleviate the situation well uh, i pack my own food and i pack my own my own energy drinks and that pretty much solves the uh the nourishment issue yeah i think i have a pair of oswald ears and i'm pretty much set (laughs) i have my mickey mouse ball cap my pair of oswald ears because there are there is no other character in the disney universe that matters they did them so dirty. <laughs> <laughs> Can't find shit at the park with Oswald, man. That, yeah. But anyway, hey, man, I can't find Flubber anywhere. So you got me. <laughs> no, I, I I hear you on that one. I in the past, I, I typically haven't bought much when I'm at at any of the parks. I mean, I know. I think one year. I saw this really cool, like little Star Wars astromech droid figure with a with a Mickey hat that was removable, mm. and it was in these really cool colors. I think it was like red, white, and yellow. And I was like, "This is beyond cool. I'm getting it." And like, I, I probably only, got other things here and there, but like, honestly, the only part of Disneyland that I really, really like is Adventureland, where it's like you're on the way to indiana jones and pirates of the caribbean if you know the general layout of the park it's where mark twain's uh, steamboat is yep the quote-unquote cigar shop with the indian figure out front and the shooting gallery that's yeah. about the cheapest thing you can you can do at disneyland if you have a quarter it'll get you 10 shots and i go there every single time mm-hmm. and um the company that i bring with me is always Oh, I didn't know you were into guns. Well, pfft, hit all ten shots. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, do, it's like, do we have to do this every time? I'm like, it's a quarter. It's twenty five cents of joy that I will remember for a long time. <laughs> you put any of their sixty to one hundred dollar clothing products in the washer or dryer, gone. You're not getting yeah. that money back in resale value. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's it's tough for me because like uh, you know the older i've become and the more that stuff that i liked as a child is no longer there r.i.p old star tours um i don't know i I still take comfort in in the the stuff that was there like way back in the day like i know 
probably most prominently the thing that always sticks out in my mind when I do think of Disneyland, just because of how random and also to some degree how dated and slightly terrifying it is. And no, I'm not talking about the experience with Abraham Lincoln, uh, the robot, um, but uh, uh, it's the train ride around the park where you get to see like the Grand Canyon and mm-hmm. it basically looks like a big diorama at the Natural History Museum. And then before you know it, you're seeing these animatronics of dinosaurs that are clearly from like the 1950s with sound effects and music that just add to the experience in a way that it it makes it unique in its own retro yet alien kind of way. It's, you know, it's a far cry from the dinosaur ride at the animal kingdom in Florida, where you still feel like you're in a dark jungle with a bunch of monsters. (laughs) Oh, man, Uh, you want to talk about a non-mask mandate. There you go. (laughs) Now, see, if I was, if I was going to go to Florida against all laws, mind you, I would mm-hmm. do everything in my power to make sure that I can even capture catch a glimpse of river country or even treasure island off the coast. Mm-hmm. Because I think as someone who has sort of put myself more in the public as a, a purveyor and narrator of stories, again, of, of certain Disney uh, happenings, it'd be nice to see for myself that things actually exist like forgotten media it's 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 worth going to i mean it, obviously i think now is a weird time to go and granted it, it's probably going to be that way for the foreseeable future but it, it certainly it, ha- it has its fun little niche things that you wouldn't expect to see especially here um and of course most notably just epcot like epcot itself you know, it's unlike anything else I've seen outside of the fact that I feel like the more I've traveled both prior to and after I went to Disney World, uh, there is an element of seeing some of the stuff there where I'm thinking, yeah, but, you know, I could go to like parts of Honolulu and still have that effect of like, wow, this feels very much like, like, like there, I'll put it this way. When you're going through the Japanese showcase, it feels a lot like parts of Honolulu. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of like, well, that has the the novelty of actually being in proximity to Japan to the point where, yeah, of course, people from Japan would go as far east as Hawaii. It's 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 within range. Going through all the showcases is fun. Uh, although I will say that the American colonial area where you get to do the like the hall of presidents and like the animatronic history of america is told by benjamin franklin and mark twain i don't know i I, that second one i don't remember as much i do remember the hall of presidents one and how weird it was to sit there and listen to george washington and abraham lincoln and then george bush because he was he was the latest president and they always get the latest president to do a little recording uh so (laughs) Uh, it was it was it was so jarring to just be like, you know, I'd like to welcome everyone to Disneyland. It's so great. Oh, this isn't Disneyland. Oh, shoot. Ah, that was an intelligence mistake. My bad. Um, <laughs> you know, like Colin Powell said this was Disneyland. What the hell? So. Uh, oh, my God. And then, to, and then to see it now with uh, Donald Trump, with all the other one termers and robot Joe Biden. Anyway, Robo Joe. Hell yeah. Robo Joe. Robo Joe. It breaks every so often. I'd buy that for a dollar. Um, I'd buy it. (laughs) Just to go with with the RoboCop. uh, Oh, my God. Did he actually say that? No. Well, there's a... It's in in RoboCop that all the different commercials and ads... Oh, that's right. Right. Yeah. uh, What a good movie. Anyway, taking it back to uh, events... Here on the West Coast, uh, and go on going on with this LA Times story, Knott's Berry Farm and SeaWorld have also announced plans to follow the state guidelines regarding masks. Golden Voice, which I didn't know this was an actual thing. Golden Voice, organizer of the Coachella and Stagecoach Festivals, said Tuesday that it will eliminate all COVID-19 safety precautions from this spring's events. And what about the bed bug precautions, dare I ask? 
So I, I mean, I, I boycotted SeaWorld for as long as I can remember. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's just a personal thing. That and I don't have the time, nor the effort, nor the patience to stand the drive to San Diego, which is ironic because I'm going there this weekend. But oh, cool. um, I will continue on that tangent. I need to step away for about 30 seconds. So if you want to fill the dead air with non-copyright elevator music, feel free. Well, uh, while Sebastian's away, I'll just quickly read a little bit more uh, from this L.A. Times piece. Uh, When it comes to indoor masking in L.A. County, the approach to lifting the mandate has changed since last week. County health officials said they will keep the indoor mask mandate in place until the region records seven consecutive days at a moderate level of coronavirus transmission, as defined by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Originally, health officials said, quote, moderate transmission would be required for at least two weeks. Meeting the goal would require the county's daily tally of new cases to fall below 730. Should transmissions continue to nosedive, the county could hit that target by the middle of March, uh, Barbara Ferrer estimates. Woo! Silicon Valley coming through. Uh-oh. In the air of capitalism, I bring gifts. <clears throat> oh, my. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very surprised this one came. I'll, I don't know. If you want me to do a little bit of an unboxing on camera, I can. Um... This has nothing to do with Disney, by the way, but uh, this came earlier than I expected. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is nice. That's all I'm going to say about it. That is nice. Okay, so that's package one. Um, so as as I mentioned last week, I was really I was sort of kind of getting into coin collecting, and so yes. I bought some things to sort of uh, keep track of what I have so far. And what I have so far... Ah. Is, this, is this what it is? What is this? That's not a book to store coins in. Um, excuse me? What the fuck? Hope this is an anthrax. There's like a box within a box, and I'm just sort of wondering. Maybe it's oh, a. Uh, di- maybe you got a compendium of uh, science fiction novels by the English writer Michael Moorcock. No, but just throwing, this is okay. Just throwing this that one out. There. Equally as disappointing. Oh, that's actual graphite. Holy shit. Okay. Um, <laughs> that just got all over my hands. So I, I was uh. Oh, God, how the hell am I going to fit that anywhere? Okay, backstory time. Mm-hmm. Last week, I said that I was sort of in the uh, vicinity of doing a bit of coin collecting. So, of course, you have your standard coin collecting books to track what you have so far. And then I thought, well, I'm already sort of a collector of certain metals. I've said too much, but uh, <laughs> as of late, And I was at the thrift store the other day, and I come across um, this beautiful set of uh, silverware. And realized right then and there that this is actual silver in silverware. Mm. And I'm like, oh, okay, sweet. This is kind of a cool find. And then I'm thinking to myself, well, it's a dining set. It's forks, knives, and spoons. How the hell am I ever going to consolidate all of this? This has got to be the most irritating thing you can ever make out of silver. And so that kind of got the gears turning, and I'm like, okay, well, how do I melt this metal down? And in the interest of saving money in a pandemic, how do I do this myself? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So in the rabbit hole that it led me down, uh, (laughs) the, the graphite are actually two ingot molds. Hmm. For pouring metal. Now all I need is a crucible and acetylene torch, and I'll be in business. Uh, I just didn't realize that this graphite would be uh, so smudgy, but I guess I'll take it as it comes. So yeah, the official boomer hobby list grows up by about two more. That's fine. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, Interesting. It was a- 
it was a uh, it, it's been a pretty interesting i guess week you could say uh you know a, it's a pretty innocuous hobby and um i realized uh, excuse me i realized it was one of those hobbies that unlike art and not so much like video games it was something that I enjoy doing within the confines of myself enjoying doing it that mm-hmm. doesn't have to be associated with like making money or the pressures that come with that, such as being an editorial cartoonist or being, uh, you know, having some stake in publishing, so to speak. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, that's fascinating. I mean, it's. Mm-hmm. It's certainly a more proactive uh, activity than, you know, re- reading about uh, the uh, the societal Im- impact of a, a loser presidential candidate from 70 years ago, uh, <laughs> which is what I'm reading about right now. Uh, well, Before the Storm, Barry Goldwater and the Unmaking of the American Consensus by Rick Perlstein. Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, I which, mean, it's, it's one of those it's things so where it's just... Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's just it's it's fun to do. And I think that's in the era of fulfillment, which is what I've sort of always toted is these are why I do the things that I do. Um, mm-hmm. It's great. This thing needs a uh, bit of bending. You could probably hear the, the cardboard. State quarters were issued in the order in which the states were admitted to the Union. Oh, Canadian Mint experienced success honoring 12 regions of the country from Alberta to Yukon. United States Mint observed this program's popularity and launched an ambitious 50-coin program spread over 10 years, recognizing every state in the union. And then the third fast fact is committees from each state selected the designs to be submitted to the Mint for a final selection. And I'm guessing there are some that are better looking than others. Oh, there's more. Shit, look at that. (laughs) Speaking as somebody who uh, participated in the 50-state coin-collecting bonanza, it's safe to say there are plenty of those coins. I I have to – I don't know where it's located in my house. I know I still have it and all 50 coins, but it is safe to say most of them are very – most of them are pretty cool. Some of them you're kind of like, this doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) Like, I think – I mean, you have your – you have your – prime contenders you know you have your let's see 50 50 coins i mean is that strictly quarters or is that other coins too i mean you have your wheat pennies your mercury dimes your buffalo nickels the things that you don't find in a bank because i don't even think banks are allowed to accept it because they're so tarnished but oh i see i'm I'm talking about the 50 state quarters uh no but they have different variations of the of the warman's book where it covers quarters from this year to this year uh state quarters Mm -hmm. the bicentennial quarters you have the um, okay you have the uh national parks quarters for instance you know right so they they divvied it up they divvied it up relatively well as you can hear (laughs) there you go yeah uh (laughs) But uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's fun to do. I think so, at least. No, that's very fun. I, I actually did pull up the quarters and how they all look, and mm-hmm. there's some good ones. Uh, there's a couple that are like, there's a couple that are all too familiar, simply because I think they really pushed out a lot of them, like the Georgia and Connecticut quarters. Yeah, uh, I I don't know. I'm not here to rag on the design of the mint, of the U.S. mint, but, I mean, I will say that some are hard to find, especially the National Parks quarters, and I can I can geek out all day, all episode, rather. <sighs> but, yeah, I, I can definitely see some just, you know, tough shit. <laughs> Good luck, <laughs> you know? Try to find it in your change machine, I guess. Oh, yeah. Well, and even, like, going all the way up to the final year they did it in 2008, like, I... Uh, 2009. 
counting the U.S. Virgin Islands and the Northern Mariana Islands. Yeah, no, I saw that too. I because it includes the... U.S. territories as well. So yeah, no, I noticed that as well. I think the the difference though was because I I had I don't know what company or brand the booklet belonged to. It's a uh, uh, It's the blue bolt. It's the blue folder, right? It. No, it was. God, it was like Waltman's this giant. Like the, the staple of of coin preservation booklet thing for God. I think they're like one of the only few, are they? Uh, I don't know. Well, well this was like uh, th- this was like this giant board that unfolded into. It was almost like a board game with slots in each state where you could fit quarter. Mm. Um. I couldn't tell you how big it was, but it, like I said, it, it it almost it resembles like the board of a board game. And I've seen maps, which make a lot more sense in terms of coin yeah. placement, but but it didn't include any of the 2009 coins, which is a shame because they don't look bad. Like no, I mean, obviously, the older you get, the more tarnished they become. The the crappier they look in the book but i think as coin collectors say a clean coin is a damaged coin or something something like that Hmm. yeah no um i'll put in my first state uh, which is my favorite wyoming this is 2007 you're telling me it took until 2007 for wyoming to be recognized yeah okay i've heard the jokes (laughs) uh well and speaking of virtual set Speaking of coins, and, and you know, I, I haven't, I know uh, Chapo did a whole discussion on this that I have not heard yet, but there were a ton of crypto ads all throughout Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, man, they were pandering, weren't they? It, I, I was, I, I, I don't, this is the first time in a while where I've made a confused face within such okay. quick succession of the previous confused face. Here's here's the thing, Ryan. I'm no expert, and we have friends who are not experts either, clearly. Oh, yeah. Um, I will say, though... No, see, I can't, I can't really say anything because you aren't really interested in investment vehicles. And I'm not, I'm not saying this is someone to rope you into some Ponzi scheme, but it's like you really do have to have sort of a genuine interest for you to even be remotely involved because there's the Mm -hmm. people who again not to toot my own horn are like me who just kind of want to see it in the long run who are not speculators by any means and are in no authority to give any semblance of financial advice Mm -hmm. i.e long term and then there are the other people who uh (laughs) who basically who will basically just say tough tits you know get in on a pump and dump while it's pumping currently, you know, mm-hmm. and fuck over the uh, the greater population in the long run. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> Make of that what you will. If you're not interested, I understand. If you are, well, I mean, if you have any questions, <laughs> I may be able to answer some, but I'm, I'm no expert by any means. Oh, I, I think it was, and, and no one, and you know what? No one is. So. Yeah, well, and even the advertising itself. How hokey was it? Because well, it was very indicative of what you just said about like it doesn't seem like they really understand how to promote this. Of course they so, do. Because how do you promote something that is essentially non tangible? You know, it's not like gold or silver, for instance. You can market gold and silver as, hey, it it ticks that little caveman brain node. Being like, ooh, shiny, and shiny mm-hmm. equals <laughs> shiny equals valuable. It's an abstract concept to market, but was it bad? Well, I don't even know how to how to describe how I feel about it. Like, it, I'll put it this way: it seemed odd, given that I feel as if this game, to to some extent, was trying to cater to a lot of the different types of people in specifically in, in the, the hometowns of both teams. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and given the fact that Los Angeles is as widespread and as diverse as it is, uh, you know, in terms of race, religion, politics, culture, you name it. But it was odd just because it was like, this is typically catered towards older, more conservative audiences. And so right. have an ad where a QR code is floating across the screen with background music for 60 seconds. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, you know it's baffling. Yeah. It's not something you would typically see. Um, you know, or maybe it's not something that you would typically relate with. I don't know, but uh, I, I get it. Definitely. And then, of course, there was the ad with Larry David, which. Don't get me wrong, I love me some Larry David, but at the same time, I'm just thinking to myself, uh, <laughs> what, what, if, what have they roped? Uh, what have they roped him into now? Right. What are they? <laughs> what First, it was Pete put, Buttigieg. Now it's crypto. Yeah. Hey, if, if you're in it for the long run and a lot of people are, then again, there's a lot of people who want to make a specific amount of money on it and by god is it lucrative but it's just like nah so uh to some degree i feel like that's a perfect segue into a story that was published <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> uh, a few weeks back oh, uh, man. you never said it was a, to make me laugh <laughs> and it was an article in jacobin with the headline of nfts are quite simply Dumb. No, wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by, All right. Uh, by Luke Savage, who's a, a really good writer that I think everybody should go check out what he's written previously. Follow him on Twitter. Um, but uh, I haven't had a full chance to read the entire story. I was kind of saving it for episode 99 just because it seemed to me like a pretty good time to. Well, we're here. So. Yeah. And, and uh, at the same time, too. <laughs> I don't know how many more times we can bring up NFTs and why they're weird and hinky and um, kind until, of exemplary. until we get until we get a until we get a cease and desist by Logan Paul <laughs> and everyone else who, <laughs> who pumps them. So uh, I'll just read the, the little subhead uh, very quickly. NFTs are emblematic of capitalism's growing retreat from productive activity. Okay. See, I, see, I don't design. see. I don't like that. I, you know, like I'm, he's a great writer. Um, it's not that I disagree with what he's saying. I just don't want him to be so professory about it. Just say that they're bad and move on. Like we know the environmental impact. We know how essentially it's just market manipulation in its purest form. You can see the coin tracker chart on CoinMarket right. you know dot com. But go on. I'm sorry. And the wealthy's desire to extend their dominion into the digital ether. They're worse than useless. And then so uh, in the opening opening of the story essentially talks about how, uh, you know, sometimes a single image or episode capturing triumph, tra- tragedy, excuse me, or disaster sums up the spirit of a moment better than prose ever could. And he you know, lists examples of like iconic moments in U.S. history, like the flag mm-hmm. raising at Iwo Jima. Uh, JFK, seconds before he was assassinated, Neil Armstrong moved to tears in the cockpit of Apollo 11, blah, blah, blah. Though it may never be elevated to the same illustrious perch, it's difficult to think of anything quite so evocative or emblematic of our own stupendously stupid time than this week's sublimely bizarre segment of The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon featuring Paris Hilton. True to the genre, most of the conversation between Hilton and Fallon is classic late-night shtick, kind of mindlessly innocuous banter you'd idly catch out of one eye while falling asleep or stumble upon after giving up on Netflix for the third time in two hours. <laughs> Things then quickly take a turn. <laughs> he really knows weird. his audience. <laughs> <laughs> Things then quickly take a turn for the weird when Fallon asks about Hilton's NFT hobby. Okay. Hilton, incidentally, an early pioneer in the postmodern commodification of the self, is currently ranked at number pioneer. seven in Forbes NFT Top 50. And the two carry out what can only be described as a sort of a scripted infomercial somewhere between low effort celebrity ad read and probable hostage video. (laughs) Okay, Um, I'm sold. I'll pass over the whole segment about uh, 
Jimmy Fallon and Paris Hilton just because that is kind of weeks old news. And at the end of the day, I think by now it's forgotten, but I'm sure the next time NFTs become a huge hot button topic that potentially decide the fate of like, I don't know, the the fate of the Mona Lisa or preventing World War Three. I don't honestly know. <laughs> Uh, then it'll probably be brought up again. Right. Uh, so I'll right. just diverge into the next uh, segment of the story titled Non-Fungible Bullshit. There you go. Beginning at some point in 2021, the non-fungible token, the latest cryptocurrency adjacent fad to sweep the nation, was suddenly everywhere. As if by way of some unknowable... Oh, I always have trouble with this word because I know I, I know the word alchemy. Alchemic? Alchemic yeah. process? Okay. There you go. It seemed people were somehow turning a profit by trading thoroughly unremarkable clip art images while others were inexplicably shelling out big to claim their title Love deeds. Love that. Okay. People betting their mortgages on JPEGs. <laughs> I like it. Uh, celebrities and social media influencers also couldn't seem to shut up about them, from Serena <laughs> Williams to Logan Paul to Matt Damon and William Shatner. The NFT craze wow. quickly transcended generations and swept up an eclectic cavalcade of the rich and famous in its wake. Mm -hmm. uh, Beeple. Beeple. <laughs> Beeple. <laughs> I don't know why you're saying that. Beeple. Made me, made me laugh. Uh, you made me laugh. <laughs> Beeple. <laughs> Beeple, named drop, name dropped by Paris Hilton in her Fallon segment, fetched more than $3.5 million in an NFT auction. We need that Owen Wilson wow clip. Wow. Goes a little bit more into detail about the all the shenanigans with Hilton and her NFTs, uh, including, oh, this is not about Paris Hilton. One B-list reality star has even gotten in the auction. Oh, I remember this. Excuse mm. me, gotten in the action by monetizing her own farts. Uh, I fucking hate the world we live in. <laughs> like, I don't... I say as I'm organizing coins. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Fine, the jokes write themselves, but like... Can you tell me what is the stupider hobby here? Like, Really? <laughs> Really? Are you going to look me dead in the face and say, oh, Queen, oh, half your show is a fucking boomer, Ryan? Like, <laughs> okay, granted, at least I'm not doing this shit. Oh, they have just given me an aneurysm. You're, you're, you're basic. You're, you're like Indiana Jones compared to people that get involved with NFT at business. Least, at least this coin tangible, at least this coin, this paper hashtag, <clears throat> um, at least I can touch it with my hands. Whereas yeah. I worry a bottled fart, I'm worried about your audience. And... I... Oh my God, continue, please. Yes. <laughs> Love to hear more. Uh, on its face, buying an NFT uh, can be a bit like buying an original artwork, though with digital usage rights and stored on a blockchain. There you, you go. You can't, in other words, actually hold it in your hands like a poster or painting. Right. NFT market being kind of property rights Wild West, being a kind of property rights Wild West. Some have been converted into tokens without their author's knowledge or consent. Still Oopsies. Copyright law. Uh-huh. Bend over. The original media object almost always remains totally accessible to anyone online, essentially rendering the whole premise of exclusivity moot, except in the abstract sense of, quote, bragging rights. Mm -hmm. In a word, NFTs are bullshit. And like most forms of bullshit in America, think WeWork, the Fire Festival, or any number of other venture capital hatch disruption rackets. They've come packaged in a phony populist language of community and an even phonier rhetoric of innovation. Love that. Like cryptocurrency, it's hard to make a case for their actual use value. And like the very dumbest Silicon Valley startups and multi-level marketing scams. <laughs> I think we've talked about that latter one in the past. <laughs> we did. Uh, they're best understood as speculative investments in which a privileged few can, can wring money from something of no redeeming social benefit. The majority, in fact, are about as useful as trash. As Vulture's mm -hmm. Rebecca Alter put it, most NFTs, quote, are about as valuable as a QR code on a Coke bottle cap that sends you to a dead link to an MP3 download. <laughs> 
Value in oh, any recognizable sense, suffice it to say, is not really the point. Yeah, I'm with the boomers on this one. <laughs> well, I think I, I don't know how old Luke is, but he's I think closer. He's closer to our age. Okay, uh, interesting. But I, like- I, 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 I mean, a lot of that is very. A lot of that so far in the story is very. Uh, I'll put it this way: it's what you come to expect, especially from how we've talked about it. And at the end of the day, it's no surprise. So that's why, like, going through the story, I'm waiting for, like... Yeah, Yeah, no, I I suppose. I just... That was probably a much more eloquent eloquent way of putting it. Oh, definitely. And I really do appreciate the fact that... Because you look at it this way. Your neighbor that we really kind of drove home uh, last last week as you know spending money on dumb shit okay at yeah. least he's spending to give him the the credit here at least he's spending actual money on dumb shit okay cryptocurrency tangibly is not real it's an investment vehicle whatever whatever you want to classify it as think of it as just instead of buying art at a museum with cash on hand now you're buying art in a quote-unquote digital muse- museum mm-hmm. it still doesn't rectify the purchase being dumb or the quote-unquote art connoisseur being just as empty-headed the only difference is that now it's mine with a simple click of a button yep (laughs) so no like yeah you're right i can't own the mona lisa but but in a way i can that is personal to me because it's on my device see what i'm saying Mm-hmm. which kind of yeah so yeah, perfectly said it's funny you bring all that up because he essentially covers all of that in the next seg- uh in the next segment where with the subhead of uh decadence and boundless commodification uh i'll just kind of read a little bit of it sure until it gets to the real meat and potatoes uh Events of recent years have arguably represented the best occasion in decades to reimagine the fundamentals of American society and transform the economy into something other than a handful of hedge funds and tech monopolies sitting on top of each other inside a trench coat. Instead, the country's bipartisan ruling class opted to greet mass death. And of course, in the previous paragraph, he talks about uh, obviously COVID and, and the response to it. Uh, to greet mass death with a dollop of inadequate and temporary social protections while its criminally undertaxed ultra-rich were left to seek out novel ways of profiting from their own money and new totems of their elite status. Nothing has been Mm. more symbolic of this trajectory than NFTs, the latest symptom of a decadent and increasingly post-democratic consensus resting on little more than predatory rent-seeking and boundless commodification. Uh, in effect, a political economy that has eschewed even the thinnest notions of social contract or public good in its elevation of the market, along with a manufacturing base that once actually built things, is laying the groundwork for a new and more expansive kind of post-materialist commodification. Which is kind of interesting just because that's something I've never really... Actually, it, now that I think about it, it is just kind of a nicer way of what I've said before about how, like, with an NFT, like can't hold it you can't feel it right but 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 if you were to i guess state the fact that you know maybe i like my art digital okay well then how does that offer you any kind of copyright protection if you're the artist how does that offer you any kind of owner protection if you happen to be the the buyer right if crypto goes up and down at such a volatile rate and in the interest of how much of these pieces are selling for, I mean, you look at something like the Mona Lisa, which is like, Oh, well you're going to be, you know, all of all NFT bros are going to be like, Oh, well it's the Mona Lisa. It's rare. It's sort of like that, but in digital form, the Mona Lisa has and will continue to be priceless. Okay. Mm -hmm. Whereas with NFTs, it always has a price ergo it's nothing special. Okay. And the fact that variations of certain NFTs exist, like with the bored apes or the, or the lions, they're essentially equivalent to an Xbox 360 customization avatar. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, 
I fail to see the similarities between something like that and the fact that, yes, while the Mona Lisa does have reimaginings and revisions and absurdism slapped onto it and derivative works made of it, they stand on their own merits, okay? Mm -hmm. NFTs don't. You had brought up a point earlier uh, that I I was going to interject and say it's what makes... What makes these things almost it's kind of it has kind of NFTs have something of a Schrodinger's cat quality to them of the idea that it's something pricey and expensive, but at the same time, it's free and accessible. Mm -hmm. And you're just thinking, well, wait a minute. Where? Yeah, like (laughs) pretty much like it's it's so weird. And and to some degree, it's ironic just because and and from what I can tell, the the story is actually almost uh I got like two paragraphs left in the story, which is kind of surprising. Usually Jacobin stories are are long profile pieces, but like it's indicative of the kind of stuff that you would see in an age where, you know, people that do hard labor get paid shit. And then people that profit off of that are profiting off of that for basically doing a whole lot of nothing besides getting like time person of the year. Am I right, Elon? So <laughs> it's insane, but at the same time, I mean, it's 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 granted, I don't know where the NFT craze sort of began, if it's an American concept. There's something rich about if this did come from the United States, there's an irony in making a whole lot, whole lot of money off of somebody's free work, if you know what I mean. Um, that's very which is very unsettling, but so American of us. Uh, right. Right. Exactly. So so I'll, I'll just I'll read these last two paragraphs. They're both fairly short. Um, and speaking of American history, he touches basically upon uh, the fact that we live in a second Gilded Age. So uh, bada bing. There you go. In this latest incarnation of our second Gilded Age, speculative bubbles based on based in, excuse me, the digital ether will help affix an ersatz version of innovation and progress to a top-heavy economy structurally incapable of delivering the real kinds. As digital commodities, NFTs thus signal the ongoing descent of capitalism into pure uh, simulacrum and the growing remove of its greatest beneficiaries from anything even resembling productive activity. As a civilizational metaphor, on the other hand, they're perhaps the perfect symbol of a political order so dismally unjust and a regressive culture so thoroughly exhausted that even the rich people brandishing them on late night TV struggle to do so with any conviction. Well, that's just late night TV talk shows just being trying to keep up <laughs> with an oh, ever growing exactly. community and yeah. thereby making it cringe because it's just like, Ugh. well, <laughs> there goes Fallon again. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, I don't know, overall, it's, I mean, again, outside of the fact of of completely agreeing with that story, and I I, I did get the feeling of like, yeah, this is as much as uh, Luke wanted to talk about it, so I I, I totally get that, Um, because hopefully this this might nail the NFT coffin in until, again, some future event where... I don't know, Banksy will get into NFTs. I doubt it. I highly doubt it, but, you know. Yeah, no, I, God, I, maybe. I can um, see it. I mean, or, or for all I know, the uh, Donald Trump could get into it as a last-ditch effort to oh, fund, Melania did. fundraise. Melania did. Yeah, no, she did. So... Um, <laughs> But uh, and I want to say Roger Stone did as well. I know that was something we talked about last season. We talked right. about both of those last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I remember that. Um, I was I was like, well, her art is bad, so <laughs> that's that's all the uh, consideration I need. I mean, ironically, George W. Bush should be getting into the NFT thing because he's actually doing his own art. Like, yeah, that that's what I think about it. Uh. So, yeah, I I don't know. Overall, it's. And, I, you know, I see. People that I follow and and stuff that I either find amusing or entertaining, talk about NFTs or or basically offer their own. NFTs like I know Cheech and Chong are getting into that and I'm like, uh, 
<laughs> Wait, what? Like it, it, it was it's. I don't even want to get into that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. To be honest, I was surprised to not see anything NFT related in the Super Bowl or at least amidst the Super Bowl ads and trailers amidst the crypto ones. Honestly, um, COVID COVID is just the uh, it's just sort of the gateway drug in, the, in the NFTs because crypto, you know, you equate crypto to money and the dumbass shit that your neighbor purchases to <laughs> NFTs. You know, yeah. crypto only gets you half the way there. No, exactly. I mean, let me actually quickly go back. There was a paragraph that I didn't read that does kind of punch at the whole prospect of, you know, specifically my neighbor with his cars and the fact that we've been through something. Well, I'll just I'll just let, uh, let Luke speak for himself. Um, the NFT boom, fittingly enough, has coincided quite directly with a period of particularly grotesque collective hardship and surging inequality as both a threat to public health and a, and an historic economic disruption the covid era has been an extraordinarily difficult time for many working and middle class americans but a veritable land of milk and honey for its corporate overlords and lumpen bourgeoisie um so that that just kind of hits on the note of like again i he mentioned it in the paragraph after you know about despite the fact that this could have been like the best time to actually like progress forward in any meaningful way. Instead, mm -hmm. we thought, Hey, wait a minute. Government ain't doing anything. People are stuck at home. Copy. What are we to Paste. do? <laughs> oh, look, I, I got a picture of, uh, I don't know. Uh, Oh, Hey, it's this picture of, uh, Damn, why can't I think of a good example? Uh, <laughs> oh, here's this picture of, of Richard Nixon playing the piano uh, with his family looking. Look at the meme. Yeah. Oh, look at the meme. The meme potential. Oh, oh, I could sell it. OK, yeah, of course. Oh, hey, look at that. I got. Uh, yeah, 20K in the bank account. Oh, boy. It's it's just. Uh, it's so insane. And I, I just. Uh, God, like just thinking of that example exhausted me just because the, the level, the level of stupidity in the whole subject matter. And again, like, I'm, you know, watching those ads and, and thinking, you know, outside of thinking to myself, boy, that halftime show was meh. And boy, we got an ad with Ewan McGregor. <laughs> he didn't have a lightsaber whatsoever. Like. It was it, the whole experience going through all those ads was just dismal. Um, and of course, mm. if people want a, a greater in-depth discussion on both the crypto ads and the Super Bowl ads in general, I recommend Chapo's episode for this week. Again, haven't even gone through all of it, but big game ain't going to miss you. And when it comes <laughs> down to it, we're, we're going to be hearing about, hey, the Rams won for like another two weeks. So, yeah, we're going to hear about it till we don't hear about it, unfortunately. But the good news, listeners, is that you won't have to hear about it next week uh, for episode 100. So, uh, <laughs> thank the Lord. I can only deal with so much sports in a day, and that's uh, that's nothing. <laughs> that's no sports. Uh, do you have any uh, any parting words for uh, listeners before we close this episode? Uh, hmm. Or anything else you want to briefly it's been, wrap up? No, it's just, uh, it's really been a blast. 99 next week is a, I think when it comes down to projects, it's a milestone that I don't think any of us, either of us really expected to reach. I mean, I know we would, given just the nature of the show and the energy that we both have, but mm. I'm very much looking forward to seeing you on the other side of something great no 100 episodes it's it's weird to say it it's weird to think about it and yeah i you know again i at times i definitely think about what what different world it would have been doing all these shows in person not having the pandemic uh mm -hmm. i don't know it, it, yeah. it's it, yeah, it's I, fascinating i mean it probably 
it probably and look at that i just dropped all my coins i'm so freaking happy oh, God. <laughs> no no it's but it's one of those things where it's just like i think we've been vocally told that like this doesn't happen to most podcasts mm-hmm. like this milestone is not one that is reached very often i think rather than just like being so engrossed in the fact that we made it this far we should be celebrating in that fact and you know i guess we'll celebrate it in our own ways but i'm very very happy that it has reached the length that it has it's good to make it it's good to be where we're at and you know we said it last week i'm i'm excited for a more experimental season three and Mm -hmm. You know, especially I'll put it this way with. And, you know, we didn't really talk much about it earlier. We did talk about it last week, though, you know, about. What the future may hold with the pandemic, obviously. There's the whole idea that, you know, things will calm down even further. And again, you got people that have the fanciful idea that it's going to. It's going to just go away, which is kind of laughable because now the experts are sounding like. Now they're right. sounding like the former reality show host who became president, but um, you know, oh, we just gotta live with it. We just gotta live with it, and then it might just go away. And now, like everybody and my grandmother is saying it, uh, you know, sometimes you know, sometimes time passes and things don't change. Hey, eh, JD Souther. Um, anyway, <laughs> deep deep eagles cut. Yeah, like. Who knows? You know, hopefully if, if we're able to get back to the usual or rather business as usual as of uh, <laughs> as of uh, episode four. Uh, God, maybe. Hopefully we'll see. Um, you know, it's I, I had to I had to think about that for. Uh, uh, job related purposes of like mm. explaining the fact that, like, we've reached this milestone but we also had to do this like sort of quick transition and make it last and make it work beginning after or beginning with episode five. Right. Uh, right. And yet it's so weird to look back on. And of course I'm probably saying stuff that should be deserved for episode 100, but the good news is we'll have other stuff we can talk about. Uh, it's just fascinating to see how there is kind of a two worlds element to when I think back on this show of, you know, the sort of the the status quo and basically what we've done for the last 90, uh, almost 96 episodes of basically me at my desk talking into a microphone, mm-hmm. uh, making hand gestures that nobody can see except me because uh, I'm <laughs> Italian. But uh, as I put my hands together to stop myself. Right. Uh, it, but then also, like, I can still vividly think back to us being at our undisclosed location. Yeah, you know, just having having those moments, not realizing they would be short-lived, uh, yeah. at least in person. So, you know, yelling yelling about Star Wars and California Exodus and uh, God. American Dirt. How far Dirt. we've come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now it's about the latest, uh, latest things people won't shut up about. The Rams won the Super Bowl. God, who Rams cares? Won the Super Bowl. Who cares, bro? Uh, NFTs are all the rage. Rams are not uh, the fuck, bro. The Rams won the Super Bowl, and uh, COVID's still a thing. And by the way, did I forget to mention the Rams won? So you know, I swear to God, <laughs> I'll never hear the end of it. Until next time, listeners. Take it easy. Adios. You've been listening to Mars on Life. Look up our show on Instagram and Twitter by searching at Mars on Life Show and give us a follow. Tune in to the latest episodes and bonus content from our show wherever podcasts are found, including Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Also, don't forget to head on over to the official Mars on Life YouTube channel to like and subscribe our work. This show's artwork, Happy Mars, is by Zachary Urbrick, while our intro and outro is Space Explorers by Kevin McLeod. Once again, I am Ryan Mancini, and my co-host, as always, is Sebastian Shug. 
If you keep going, you'll make it to Mars.